In Habakkuk chapter 3, in the Amplified it says, And God approaching from Sinai came from Taman, which represents Edom. And it says, And the Holy One from Mount Paran in the Sinai region. And it says, think about that. Why, why think about that? Because what Sinai represented in this whole region represented from God said was his glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. That's what it says. It says, it says, why to think about that? Then it says his glory covered the heavens and the earth and was full of his praise. So why was it bringing up Sinai? Because it was saying, because that, that point in history the heavens and the earth at that point on earth was filled with the glory of God. Not just that, but it was filled with God's praise. And then it says this, and his brightness was like the sunlight. It says rays streamed from his hands. And there in the sunlight splendor was the hiding place of his power. Wow. The sunlight rays <laughs> coming from his hands. <laughs> The fire of God is real. The presence of God is real. His presence is tangible. Have you ever, have you sensed his presence before? It can be like a, like a heavy blanket sitting on you, not, not burdening you or pressing you, but, but bringing such a peace that's so overwhelming. If you have your Bibles, turn to. Shall we start? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. If you're visiting or you're new, we've been doing a series entitled Altars. It's so important for us to understand the importance and the power of altars. I don't know about you, but my life was changed at an altar. It wasn't in the altar of a church, but it was where my heart cried out for God. And God met me right where I cried out. If you call unto him, it says he answers us and he will show us great and mighty things that we know not of. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, are the most vital things in my life. Last week I talked about, I talked about the fire of God and we talked about how in Leviticus, it talked about how the priest's job were to ever keep the fire burning. It wasn't God's job, but it was the priest's job for the fire to never go out. And we talked about in, in Leviticus 9, it ta- we talked about how, how the fire was lit. God lit the fire. He, he gave instructions and gave, made application and then there was manifestation. And, and once they did everything and they put everything in order the way they needed to put it on the altar, then they went into the temple of God and they praised God and the fire of God fell and burned up the sacrifices. But from that point on, it was the priest's job to keep the fire burning. I'm going to continue with this thought this morning about the fire of God. And there's probably three different sermons rolling around in my heart this morning. So we'll see what comes out and praise the Lord. But thinking about this for a moment and um, 
Tommy, good good friend of mine, he he sent me a, a, some excerpts from a book a number of years ago. I don't know how long a, long ago it was, and 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 I, I was pre, I was preaching along something, and right before I went to sleep last night, I pulled I pulled this this out of my next to my bed, this dresser next to my bed nightstand, and there's a phrase made in this in this. Uh, this, this segment that he made a copy of and gave to me. And, and the book was really popular 20 years ago, 21 years ago. There was a book called God Chasers and by Tommy Tenney. And uh, there's a phrase and there's a statement that is made in this book to me that just went off on the inside of my heart because it had to do with what was in my heart to, to minister to our church family this morning. And, and it was this phrase that says that Fire doesn't fall on empty altars. Let me make that statement again. Fire doesn't fall on empty altars. You see, it wasn't, it wasn't the fire showed up and then they were saying, okay, now Moses and Aaron, okay, let's now take the sacrifice. No, it was when the sacrifice was put on the altar. And so often we're wanting God to manifest and show up in our lives, but the altar's empty. You know, the fire of God and, and through, I mean, there's, throughout scripture, we can, we can see things that are, that are similar that in, in, in God gives different objects for us to see like light. In fire, we talked about that last week, that, that when you saw light in Scripture, you know, when they're writing and they're saying the light, they're not looking at light like we see light. They, they, they only had the representation of fire. So when they're seeing, saying light, they're distinguishing that and, and saying fire, the fire of God. The fire, the light, smoke, glory, presence, goodness, power. Earthquake, trembling, shaking, all these things were symbolic of, of, of the presence of God showing up and bringing change to something. Let's look at Exodus chapter 19. I'm going to go to three different passages real quickly. Exodus 19. Thank you, Father. Verse 16 says, And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount. And the voice of the trumpet exceedingly loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the neither part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, louder Moses spoke, and God answered him by a voice. 
So here we see the presence of God showing up on Mount Sinai, and it was the glory of God. And out of that voice, out of that fire came God's voice. Now let's go to Exodus 24. Exodus 24. Verse 15. It says, and Moses went up into the mount and a cloud covered the mount and the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto the, unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud and the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain, the eyes of the children of Israel. Wow. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud. And got him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. Now in, in chapter 19 we see a phrase about Moses. And it said that he went up. We see a phrase in here in Exodus 24. It said and he went up. Now let's look at Exodus 33. I'm going to these for a purpose. Let's look at verse 7. Now Moses used to take his own tent and pitched it outside the camp, far off, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting of God, which his own people, <clears throat> and everyone who sought the Lord went out. So they went up twice, and here it says they went out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And when Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people rose and stood and every man at his tent door. And he looked after Moses until he had gone into the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the door of the tent and the Lord would talk with Moses. Now let's go to Exodus chapter three. Now this presence of God, this fire of God, the glory of God was so important to Moses' life. This was vital to his life. It's something that he was always going after since he had his first, first visitation with fire. You see, I read, I wanted to read those three things because every time when, when Moses was experiencing God, there was fire connected to it. There was the glory of God connected to it. And it was also the voice of God was connected to it. When we talk about revival, we talk about the presence of God, we talk about the power of God. It's not just so we come into a room and feel something. But we come into his presence to be changed by it. We come into his presence to hear his voice. We come into his presence to, to allow that presence to give me direction, to, to, to do change something in me, to make me more like him. And, 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 it's, and, and I've heard this said, you know, we settle for touches with God instead of, instead of being with God. I, I, I want to be rat, continue to be radically changed by him. Do you have a hunger to be in God's presence? If you don't have a hunger to be in God's presence, you have let your fire go out. If you are here just to go through religious ritual on a Sunday morning, then you have let your fire go out. 
When we wake up in the morning and being in his presence isn't the most important thing to us or his word the most important thing to us, then it's an indication that something has gone out in my life. Now let's look here in Exodus chapter 3. And Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert And he came to the mountain of God. Wow. Man, this mountain of God was something significant. This mountain of God isn't just any old mountain, but this is a mountain that there's so much things in history that they said that happened at this mountain. And yet there's also going to be some other things in the future that are going to happen at this mountain. There, there's something significant about this mountain that they believe that this is when Jesus comes back to the earth and he splits the eastern gates that he's going to stand on this mountain. Is this mountain is believed to be where Abraham took up Isaac and, and on an altar and, and about to raise the stake. And God said, no, now I know. Now I know. Now you because you did this, now I can do this with my son. And so this is a place of significance. So here they're at this mountain and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the, why the bush is not burnt. You know, and, and some of you may have heard this before, that, that a, bu- a bush burning is not a strange sight in the desert. You're like, yeah, what? Yeah. Dry, arid places. It, it wasn't a strange thing. What was strange is it wasn't being consumed. It wasn't being consumed. And so there was this fire that was different than natural fire. This was something that was supernatural. And, and, and I love this because it says, and it says, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. And when Moses saw, I'm sorry, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Now, it's interesting that God didn't speak to Moses until Moses turned aside. God wasn't saying, yo, Moses, hey, I'm a burning bush over here. I don't know why I tried to sound like I'm New York right then. I don't know. But (laughs) yo, Moses, (laughs) yo, Joey, (laughs) some cold ones. Come on. Uh. (laughs) We can have fun in church and, you know, we got to get a hold of this here. It wasn't until Moses turned aside. It wasn't until he shifted his perspective. It wasn't until he went, he, he went in another direction in his life. It, it wasn't until he turned aside from what he was doing that then God was able to speak to him. And so often we're wanting God to speak revelation to us, but are we turning aside to see? Are we turning aside to hear? Are we turning aside to receive? Are we turning aside from something different? Are we giving our attention to something different than everything else that we're giving? See, it wasn't until he turned aside that then the Lord was able to speak to him and set the course of his life for the rest of his life. 
And if he didn't turn aside, someone else would have had to. And if someone else didn't turn aside after Moses, then who would set the children of Israel free? See, God is waiting for you to turn aside because God wants to set people free through you. See, coming to the altar represents turning aside from your normal course of life, turning aside from how you've ever always done things, how you, your, your traditions, turning aside from your education, turning aside from everything else that would distract you and turn aside to see something that's, that you've never seen before. So that's why after this moment, there was that Moses' life was never the same. I don't know about you, but, but I mean, January 23rd of 1993, when the Lord healed my body of a respiratory disease and I experienced the presence of God in a way that I never had before. I'm telling you, I don't want anything else but him. You see, he experienced the fire of God in his life and he was never the same. And throughout the, the, the book of Exodus, we're seeing he's constantly drawn to where the fire is. He's drawn to where the fire is. He's drawn to where the fire is. He's drawn to where the fire is. You see, in New Testament, we are, what is, what is Romans chapter 12 tells us? He says, brethren, I beseech you. Meaning brethren, brethren, brothers, this is, it's not the word. He's not, Paul's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. Brethren, I beseech you, I beg you by all the mercies of God that what that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. And we learned about this, that, 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 that when we present our bodies as living sacrifices, then we open ourselves up to all the mercies of God, everything that God is and everything that God has. So it took Moses to surrender in that position at that moment to turn aside. Turn aside. I tell you, there's so many things that are trying to get our attention. There's so many things that the God of this world, what is he like? He likes to blind the minds of them that believe not. So what? So that, so that we can't see the light of the glorious gospel in Jesus Christ. We have to turn aside. There's a lot in this word turn aside. This word turn aside or this phrase turn aside is an attitude of honor. It's saying I'm going to stop going my direction. It's saying I'm going to show honor by giving my time. It's saying I'm going to give my full attention to this. Another thing about turning aside is turning aside is your choice, not God's. Just as surrender is your choice, not God's. Turning aside is a choice that's saying, I give myself to this. You're opening yourself up saying, I welcome you to direct me. I welcome you to speak into my life. I welcome you to change me. So this act of turning aside is a position of worship. And worship is a position we put ourselves in where God 
reveal himself and give direction. God came to, to visit Moses and not just bring change to him, but as like I said, change to entire people. And what if Moses never turned aside? What is God trying to get you to turn aside? Thank you, Father. He says, and I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, draw not near, but put off your shoes from off your feet. For the place wherein you are standing is holy ground. You know, uh, Annette was, she was doing a study on this and, and, and she was telling me this as she was studying it, that, that what was so significant about putting off your shoes? Because see, they made their own shoes. They, they didn't have, they didn't have Foot Locker. You know, in the backside of Midian, there, there wasn't even, there, there's not, there's not shops, <laughs> There's not a flea market. I mean, they're in the middle of nowhere. So, so Moses is, is wearing something that he had to make. And so when God was saying, I want you to take off your shoes. What was he saying? You need to let down and let go of your works. He's also saying you need to let go of the path and the direction you've been going. See, taking off the shoes... Because the ground is holy. There are some other things. It's, you know, this phrase, taking your shoes off, is too often we stand on our own plans, our own human strength, our own desires, and we never accomplish God's plan. There needs to be a realization that as that we are barefooted, empty-handed, and we fall on our face before the Lord dependence in every area of our lives. Let me say that again. We have to come to a place where there's a realization that we are barefooted, empty handed, and we have a fall on our face dependence before the Lord. Amen. Jesus had this same heart. Apart from the father, I can't do anything. So turning aside to me is getting me away. Getting away from business of life and is getting away from my way of doing things. Let's go to Second Corinthians chapter three. Turn aside. Second Corinthians chapter three. I'm going to read a few scriptures here. Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. We need to begin. Let's look at verse seven. Now, this is Paul is writing here, and he's talking about this first ministration, and he's talking about Moses, and he's talking about the glory of God. And he says, now, if the dispensation of death engraved in letters on stone 
was inaugurated with such glory and splendor that the Israelites were not able to look steadily at the face of Moses because of the brilliance, a glory that was to fade and pass away. Why should not the dispensation of the Spirit? Now, we just talked about when Moses went into the mountain of God and in the fire of God, and we didn't go to Exodus 34, but when he came out of that, getting the Ten Commandments, he came out and it said, his face shone like the sun. Getting the law. And so what is Paul writing here? He's saying if the glory of God manifested in such a way, in such a full, in such a full measure in Moses' life, in something that would be done away with, how much more would the glory of God manifest by the Spirit? Meaning in the Old Testament, on just these, these tables of stone that were going to be done away with, How much more should you and me in the glory that we should experience in our lives? I mean, that's that's what it's saying here. He's saying, why should not the dispensation of the spirit? I'm reading the Amplified. Spiritual ministries whose task is to cause men to obtain and be governed by the Holy Spirit be attended with much greater and more splendid glory. More splendid glory, more splendid glory. So here, the glory of God that, that we were just referring to of Moses, it says here that there should be a more splendid glory. <laughs> Verse nine, for if the service that condemns, talking about the, 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 the law, the ministration of doom had glory. How infinitely and more abounding in splendor and glory must be the service that makes righteous. The ministry that produces and fosters righteous living and right standing with God. Indeed, in view of this fact, what once had splendor, the glory of the law and the face of Moses has come to have no splendor at all because the overwhelming glory that exceeds and excels it. Wow. (laughs) There's a glory that excels the glory that Moses saw. For if that which was but passing away, faded away, came with splendor, how much more must that which remains and is permanent, permanent, (laughs) and abide in glory and splendor? Since we have, since we have such glorious hope, such joyful and confident expectation we speak very freely and openly and fearlessly that the Israelites might not, might not gaze upon the finish of the vanishing splendor. In fact, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> in fact, their minds were grown hard and calloused. They had become dull and had lost the power of understanding. For until this present day, when the Old Testament, the Old Covenant is being read, the same veil still lies on their hearts, not being lifted to reveal that in Christ it is made void and done away. Yes, down to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies upon their minds and hearts. But whenever a person turns. Mm. But whenever a person turns. Whenever a, something happens when you turn. <laughs> something happened to me 
when I turned. <laughs> Something happened when I turned. Something happened. <laughs> Something happened when a person turns in repentance to the Lord. The veil is stripped off and taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, emancipation from bondage, freedom. And all of us with unveiled face. Who are those with unveiled faces? Those that turned. That's what it says. It says those that turn, it says the veil is taken away. So if I turn, then I have an unveiled face. Because we, and, and all of us as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Wow. Something happens when we turn aside. Something happened when Moses turned aside. Something happened when he went up. Something happened when they went out. Something happens when we turn. You see, turning aside, in my opinion, for this morning's message and Talking about altars. Turning aside is our position to decrease. So God can increase. In the thing that Tommy had, had, had sent me, he put a note on there. And we, you know, we, 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 we had altar calls for how many people need increase. You know, altar calls for people to increase, right? I'm not, and there's nothing wrong with that. But how many altar calls have we had for decrease? I'm not talking about financial. I'm not talking about financial decrease. I don't know. We, can, we have a lot of altar calls where we can celebrate that we want God to increase us and come up and the prophet's going to lay hands on you. And there's nothing, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that, that the altar is a position in a place where we decrease because it's when we decrease that then he can increase. See, it's, he wants to be, be, be leader, be, be the greatest of all, what must be servant of all. So there's a position, the kingdom that we serve in is an upside down kingdom. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, comes out first of decreasing by, by being a blessing to someone else first. The blessing of Abraham was not just to be blessed beyond all can ask, think, dream, or imagine. The blessing was Abraham was so he would, he would be blessed to be a blessing. So the altar is a position in place where we turn aside. It's a position in place where we decrease because it's when Moses turned aside that God was able to increase him. It wasn't when Abraham turned aside. You see, we, we talk about the blessing of Abraham. I want you to go to this place and, and you're going to be blessed to be a blessing. I'll make your name great. I'll, I'll make you famous and I'll, you know, I'll do all these things and, and this is going to happen and that's going to happen and we can woo, praise the Lord. 
But the first four verses in, in, in Genesis 12 are great. But the breakthrough was on verse 5. And when Abraham left. And when Abraham left. And when Abraham departed. You see, that, 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 is, that is Abraham decreasing so he can then get involved with God. Moses turning aside was, 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 was decreasing so, what, so he could increase. You know what? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that what? Comes. See, we, 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 we can't leave out the most important ingredient. We can't leave out the most important ingredient to our faith is not having faith in our faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God for he that comes to God. See, that is me decreasing. Me coming to God is me trusting in him and his ability alone. He must come to God, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him turning aside is seeking. And it's in that seeking that then we step into the rewards of the kingdom. And this is all about the altar. The altar is a place of decrease. So you can experience all that God wants to do in and through your life, through my life. I know it's a phrase that John the Baptist made, and I understand why John the Baptist said it in John chapter 3. I must increase so he, I must decrease so he can increase. But you know the Apostle Paul, he may have not used those exact words, but his heart was just as passionate about being dependent upon the Father. I can show you two places. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. And that's, de- that's decrease. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I that lives. It's not I that lives. But it's Christ That lives within me. Now get this. He doesn't stop there. He says in the life. I now live. I live. By the faith. Of the son of God. Now he's saying it's not even my faith. It's his faith. It's all him. It's all him. Another place. Colossians chapter 3. Let me just so I don't quote it wrong. Colossians 3. Thank you, Father. No, I love that song this morning, Cassie. Lay it all down. Was that the one you wrote? Or was that the, yeah. And you wrote that from the altar series, right? Yeah. 
If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Seek, that's turning aside. Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. But how often are we setting our affection on things of the earth? How often are the things of the earth taking up 95% of our time? And here the apostle Paul has set your affections on those things that are above where Christ sits. Then he says this verse three, for you are dead. (laughs) You're dead. (laughs) You're dead for you're dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. Hallelujah. You know, I, Reading part of that, those th- things in the book, and I don't, this is what, he just even marked some things on there, but oh, this must have been like four or five years ago when he sent that to me. But, but he said that no living things could truly stand in the presence of God. They had to have smoke, they had to have a veil, they had to have all these certain things. So, the only things that I could actually be in the presence of God were dead things. And here it says, because of Christ, it says, you're dead. And my life is hid with Christ in God. Verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you appear with him in glory. Wow. Wow. The altar is a place. Where we die. (laughs) And we experience his life. January 23rd of 1993. In my sister's living room. That was where Justin died. Let me close with this. Hebrews chapter 12. There's other places we could go. but Cassie, can you all come up? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, we praise you, Father. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We glorify you. Oh, we turn aside this morning. We turn aside. We turn aside, Lord. We decrease this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Decreasing and taking a lower place is not taking a step down in the kingdom of God. I look at Miss Carolyn and Dr. Savell's life and to see where God has brought them and see what God has done in their life. And I see a life marked by surrender. Here in thank you, Lord. I could read this whole chapter. I mean, it. I mean, the very first of the chapter starts saying, "What laying aside every weight in sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race set before us." And what looking unto Jesus, 
I mean, this, this chapter starts off with that, but uh, for the sake of time, let's look at... Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Verse 18. For you, the Amplified, it says, For you have not come, as did the Israelites in the wilderness, to a material mountain that can be touched. A mountain that is ablaze with fire into gloom and darkness in a raging storm. You gotta understand, he's, he's, a, he's talking about this, this, this mountain in Moses' day, right? This is, but this is New Testament. He's, he's equating these. So, so we have to understand, the, we can't throw out the Old Testament because we see, just connecting this, we see in 2 Corinthians 3, and we're seeing here that he's connecting to that fire that happened on the mountain before. But it says, you have not come to a mountain that cannot be touched. Oh, that means I can, I can touch this. There's no, can't touch this. No, 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 no. I can touch this. <laughs> Stay with me. Or pray for me, either one. <laughs> that is ablaze with fire into the gloom and darkness and a raging, into the blast of a trumpet and a voice whose words make the listeners beg that nothing more be said to them. Wow, man, it's like God don't say anything more because I don't know if I can quite handle it. Verse 20, for they could not bear the command that was given. If even a wild animal touches the mountain, it should be stoned to death. In fact, so awful and terrifying was the phenomenal phenomenon that sight that Moses said, I'm terrified. But rather... You've come to Mount Zion, even to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and the countless multitude of angels and festival gathering, and to the church of the firstborn who are registers as citizens in heaven, and to the God who judges all. Now listen to this, and to the spirits of righteous men who have been made perfect. Thank you, Father. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood which speaks of mercy, a better and nobler and more precious message than of the blood of Abel, which cried out for vengeance. Now listen, so see to it that you do not reject him or refuse to listen and heed him who is speaking to you now. For they, the Israelites, did not escape when they refused to listen and heed him who warned and divinely instructed you here on earth, revealing with heavenly warnings his will. How much less shall we escape if we reject and turn our backs on him who cautions and admonishes us from heaven? What, he's talking to the church here. He's not talking to unbelievers. And the warning here in this last day's message is don't turn your backs on him and think everything's just going to be okay. Don't turn your backs and just be complacent with how everything else is going in the rest of the world. Don't reject him. He's speaking to you right now. He's speaking to us this morning and he's going to be speaking to you when you wake up tomorrow morning. How much less shall we escape if we reject and turn our backs on him who cautions and admonishes us from heaven? Verse 26, 
Then at Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he's given a promise. Yet once more, I'll shake and make tremble not only the earth, but also the very heavens. Now this expression yet once more indicates the final removal and transformation of all that can be shaken. That is of that which has been created in order that what cannot be shaken may remain and continue. Let us therefore receive a kingdom, receive a kingdom, receive a kingdom that is firm and stable and cannot be shaken and offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship with modest and pious care and godly fear in all for our God is a consuming fire. Hallelujah. What is it saying here? That we let us therefore receiving a kingdom that is firm and stable and cannot be shaken. What are we to do? Offer to God pleasing service, acceptable worship with modest and pious care and godly fear and awe. See, the first part was speaking to them that went before. But this part is giving us our turn aside. You see, this is our turn aside. That we need to hear him who's speaking from heaven. I believe he's speaking from heaven. I believe that You know, even right now, as Dr. was ministering in Natchitoches, I believe that he's receiving a word from heaven, from, from, from heaven for us as we go into this next year. I believe this word right now in this series on altars is about taking us in to seeing Jesus coming quickly. I don't want this to be just a, a, another sermon, another message. And, and the Lord's put some other things in me that I'm probably going to put this in a book. But, but understand that this is so important, I believe, for the body of Christ to step into and understand the importance of what the altar is all about. It's a place where we decrease. And this is giving us our way of decreasing that we offer to God pleasing service, acceptable worship. Modesty, pious care, godly fear in all. The King James says, Wherefore receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace. Thank you for grace. Whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. I believe we need to get our fear back. Not being afraid of God but being in all of God. Fire doesn't fall on empty altars. We can cry out, God, fire, fall on me. But have you turned aside? Fire, fall on me, but is there a godly reverence and fear? Miss Carolyn, I'm going to put you on a spot, on the spot. <laughs> I mean, growing up in the time that you did, knowing something about the altar. Did you just share something from your heart? 
were taught from a child, the altar was everything. The altar was where we came and laid our lives down before God. We did it on a daily basis as far as the church was open and people could go to the altars that were there. But during church services, it was a holy time. And there was always an opening of the altar where they would say, if you have a need, come to the altar because that's where he will meet you. It was always at the altar where we meet God. And that's what pastor's been teaching us. It's only at the altar where we meet God, where we lay our lives down, where we're prostrate before him. And we give it all up and we sacrifice. We are the sacrifice then that's being given so we can be consumed. And it's only when you're consumed then that you enter into that place with God where you're used by him. So the altars were always open in the church. And there were people always praying for their lost And I'm telling you, we're at the end of this age. And if you have loved ones like I do that are so far from God, they wouldn't know God right now if he showed up in a big old white sheet. So we're going to have to come to the altar and start putting those loved ones on the altar and believing him that they're going to come in before the appearing of Jesus. Because I believe the time is so close. We can almost number the days. Because every day I'm getting up now and I'm saying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's become almost a mantra to me. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Because the world is getting worse and worse and worse. I mean, just open your eyes and look at what they're trying to force on us. So the altar is our place of being consumed by God. So we're not consumed by the cares of the world and what's going on in the world, but we're consumed at the altar. The altar is our place. The altar is where we go. The altar is what God has made for us so we can get rid of the cares of this world and the stress that's in this world. So we've got to, as a church, to get on fire for God is go to the altar. So, Pastor Justin, I thank you for hearing from God, for preaching this to us, for helping us be consumed by the fire that falls from heaven so we can be accountable in these last days. Bless you, Pastor, for teaching us this and leading us in the truth. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. service at 11, but I'm just going to just think we just need to 
wait on the Lord for a moment. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Maybe this morning and you're here and you say, Pastor, I, I need to decrease in my life. So he can increase. I, I know of a great calling on my life. I know you have a great plan for my life, but and I've been so focused on what that calling looks like or what that calling is and trying to figure these things out. I, I realized this morning that I, I need to I need to decrease. I, I've got my eyes off onto the wrong things. And I need to turn aside this morning. This minister, just something went off on the inside of you, this message this morning. I I want you to take take a moment. Just come down to this altar. Come down to this altar right now. Come down to this altar. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, we glorify you. We praise you. Oh, hallelujah. We turn aside today. We turn aside from everything distracts. We turn aside. We turn aside. Thank you, Father. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices today. Holy and acceptable unto you. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. For the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I thank you that where the presence of God is and the fire of God is, I thank you that there is a liberty that far surpasses the presence, that far surpasses the glory that Moses knew. I thank you that you have given and made available something far more exceeding than that. Hallelujah. And I thank you that we see that exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask, think, dream, or imagine in our lives, through our lives, in this church, in this body. Hallelujah. Arise and shine, for your light has come. Arise and shine, for the fire has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Hallelujah. So we decrease, Father, so you can increase. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. Oh, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You are good. you for a freedom, a freedom, a freedom that we have not yet known. A freedom that we've not yet known. Mm. 
We've experienced glimpses of freedom. But maybe in the back of our thinking, in the back of our mind, the fear of man might be holding us back. The fearing of being obedient and stepping out and doing what God has said could be holding us back. The fear of giving what God's told you to give. The the fear of serving the way that God's told you to serve. The the fear, the different things. But we're stepping into a freedom that we've not fully grasped or understood. Freedom. Freedom. Hallelujah. Freedom. If you're here this morning and there's just been this this hindrance on you, this oppression. It's almost like you're, you're being held back. You almost feel like you're in a spiritual straitjacket that, that it, you haven't seemed to been be able to break out of it. It's been just this heaviness, this oppression, this, this sadness that you can't get away from. Just if that's you come out, come up real quick. If that's you come up real quick. Hallelujah. Thank you, father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Oh, freedom, freedom, freedom. Yeah, no, freedom, freedom. Oh, hallelujah. You break every enslaving yoke. This is the only the phrase the Lord gave me. I'll stand up there. And he said, The sun is going to shine on your life and ministry once again. That's all he told me to say. That the sun is going to shine on your life and ministry once again. You are in a healing time and a restoring time. And I will restore what the enemy has stolen. You will never once again have to defend yourself. You walk in love. You won't have to explain yourself or defend yourself. Because my son is shining on your ministry and your life once again. Fire fall on this life and ministry. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we praise you, Father. We praise you, Father. This week, your assignment is to turn aside and let him speak to you. Your assignment is to, hallelujah, to offer God pleasing service, acceptable worship, 
godly fear and awe. So all this week, make it a point to do this. And let's see what happens when we come together as a corporate body next weekend. And let's see what the glory of God and the spirit of God does in our midst. The gifts of the spirit, the words of wisdom, the words of knowledge, the working of miracles. Hallelujah. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Give him a shout of praise. He received that this morning. Thank you, Father.